We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, November 17th, week 11 in the NFL. We got a lot to unpack here, a lot of crazy matchups, a lot of injuries, a lot of key injuries around the league that is uh, making setting lineups particularly tricky this week. So we are going to unpack all of that and more as we march through every single matchup on the slate. Stay tuned. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, how are you doing on this here fine Thursday? Uh, I don't know. Kind of a big stink ball, to be honest with you. Uh, Got to probably cut my hair soon, but I just haven't done it. And uh, now I'm kind of like letting it. Uh, imprison me i guess almost you you kind of have like the the alpaca model where you just kind of get shorn once a year and then you just let <laughs> yeah. it let it run uh, otherwise and this time it has gone over one year i don't know how how much but uh it's i don't know it might it might be like halfway to two maybe i maybe i should see what it looks like but yeah i don't believe in haircuts as i've said many times so mm-hmm. I, I only cut all of it off uh or i don't touch it um so it's it's uh it's not been tended to in a very long time and there's like knots and stuff happening. <laughs> oh man, we we got uh, Ross Trent Mario coming through uh, in in just a few weeks. Ross Trent. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's like a, a white guy dreads guy. If I remember, I think that's like some oh, early YouTube. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't keep up with all the Vine stars and SoundCloud <laughs> rappers or whatever, so I I hadn't heard of him yet. Okay, and the, uh, I guess the the more recent example would be the Island Boys, but um, you know, we, I digress. Uh, we, you know, we, our TikTok and Vine pod uh, still oh, right, yeah. uh, in in the works, but we we've got uh, football games to talk about. So I say let's do that. Um, beginning Thursday evening, we got a game up in your neck of the woods. We got the Packers playing host to the Tennessee Titans, who I believe have covered. Every spread on the road this year, they're three-point favorites in this one. I think that they have a, a, 
a brand of a style of play that that travels pretty well, especially in in you know tricky conditions um, that can trip the, up other teams. Are the Packers the three point favorites? I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so that okay. yeah, the the Titans are, are road dogs. It just uh, jumped too. I think like I I just wrote an article this morning about it being three point spread, and it's showing as three and a half now on covers. So yeah, so some interesting movement there. Do you do you think that that's a bit of an overcorrection ba- based on last week, or or is this just kind of like maybe a sense that things are going to come home to roost for this Titans team that is solid, but maybe not all that spectacular? Uh, I I don't know. I, I guess part of that swing, I don't know what if there's been an announcement yet, but if if Jeff Simmons were out, that might be a rare case where a defensive player is worth changing. Uh, the spread, but other than that, and uh, I mean, the, the Titans are without their, at this point, two best edge rushers, like uh, Landry had been out and Dupree is out now. So uh, they might have just like a, the, the Titans might have a badly compromised front seven basically. And so maybe there's, maybe there's something Green Bay can work with there that the, uh, the, the teams that got covered on the road did not have to, did not have at their advantage here, but yeah, I don't know. Looking from my view, looking at the matchup and just kind of like the broader picture, I, I don't know if I would consider Green Bay favorites in this game. Like, not that I want to, not that I want to go and say they they can't win because I, I don't know. I'm thinking something more like four and a half times out of ten, not uh, you know six out of ten. Uh, in large part because the Green Bay run defense has suffered all year, and their their averages could get a little worse yet after seeing Derrick Henry. Uh, it's going to be about 20 degrees there. So Tennessee kind of has to keep the, the ball on the ground. They're, they're kind of inclined to, obviously, but they have to because Tannehill's got pretty small hands by quarterback standards, and he's got a pretty bad history once uh, the temperature gets below like 50, let alone 40, and it's going to be 20 or so. I uh, don't know about the wind, but it, it's going to be like at least 10 or 12 or something like that. might go up a little bit. Got to keep an eye on it. So uh, if the Titans have to throw the ball, they're kind of just toast right there. It's it's so it's so bad they might as well just not do it. No matter how much they're losing, uh, they might as well just run instead of try to throw to catch up. So um, it, it, the other thing, of course, is like Derrick Henry gets better as the year goes along, and maybe that has something to do with temperature getting lower. Maybe that has to do with just uh, other players getting fatigued at a rate faster than him and him just kind of going the same speed all year at a time where, where other players lose a step over the course of the season. I don't really know what it is, but it's very, it, it's emphatic in his splits. Like you look at games nine through 16 and he's, he's averaging like almost six yards a carry. And we know he's getting upwards of 30 carries in those games. So it, it's, it's a problem for a good defense. It seems like, and the Packers run defense is pretty bad. So uh, on the other hand, the, the Tennessee offense can't throw it all so if Rodgers has a pretty good game and like that's that might be all it really takes for for Green Bay to tie it up so what did you make of the Christian Watson breakout last weekend um it's not that interesting to me to be honest I mean it's it's the kind of thing that we knew he could do uh granted I didn't I didn't really expect it to happen in that game or um you know three touchdowns I guess uh, to be fair to Watson, as much as he's compared to Valdez Scantling, I don't remember Valdez Scantling ever having a three touchdown game. So uh, Watson may, you know, could should prove better than Valdez Scantling, but the same 
fundamental issues are still there. It's like he can still disappear for long periods of time. Like the only real difference between him and Valdez Scantling, I'd say, is uh, I, don't know, I guess there's like a little bit more lateral coordination with Watson. Like he can take carries and, and run pretty credibly, whereas I don't think Valdez Scantling could ever do that. Uh, so there, there's a little bit more with Watson, but he's still going to be the kind of guy who struggles to draw targets per snap reliably over a bigger sample. And uh, teams are going to kind of lock him up outside if they can press well. Like he, he can kind of just get removed from a lot of plays. So the times he does get open, like, a, he can do a lot of damage on, on those reps, sure. But B, like he he has a tendency to flub those anyway. Like he, he can he might be a kind of guy who catches like forty eight percent of his career targets. So that huge game was good to see, but to, to me, it's more the kind of thing like if it ha- if it hadn't happened, eventually it would have been a big red flag because his aggregate numbers are still not that great. It's just like this huge game made his numbers look vaguely acceptable and Mm -hmm. and, uh, not even now do they look particularly strong over the season. Right. So, I mean, you know, our kind of characterization of him and and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, of course, but you know, a guy with, with crazy athletic measurables was really the the only big uh, receiving threat in that North Dakota state offense. But, you know, there, there was some, some serious rawness, to his game to where, you know, we, we both kind of figured that the Packers might have done better to, to go elsewhere with, with the receivers on the board oh, in, yeah. in the second round or let alone uh, in the first, even though the, the pool kind of dropped, dried up a little bit in the top 20. Um, but, you know, I think like, you know, there, there is that kind of like freakish talent, but I, I think that it, he still kind of remains so rough around the edges that that I don't know if, if last week is the signal of, of him necessarily like, locking into to that type of player not a three touchdown a week type of guy but like a, a number one uh in, in this green bay offense yeah if they need him to be that i think he'll mostly disappoint them because he doesn't really have median range outcomes he's either kind of a dud or yeah he's making a huge play downfield and sometimes while you're waiting for that big play to happen you're just kind of drowning you know like you need you need somebody to do something and if he's that guy that you need and that big play isn't there, you kind of just lose. So they need him to be what Valdez Scantling was, which they didn't depend on him like that. They had Devontae Adams uh, drawing, obviously, the vast majority of that usage, and they had Valdez Scantling doing distance running, like making corners, burn some calories, running downfield, which is something that I think pretty much every team underestimates the the need for. Like I think you should make the defense get tired any way you can, and if, if, they send a, if you send a guy downfield uh even if he's only playing like 700 snaps and and even if you're not really targeting him that much the defense still has to run with him every single time and if they don't you you put that deep ball out until they do it again and all the while they're running that distance they're getting more tired and they're leaving a little space underneath that someone else can use so watson can do all of that stuff but if they expect him to just all of a sudden start drawing like eight targets a week then they're gonna they're gonna complete like uh, like I said, like 47, 50% of those targets. And when the ball is landing on, well, I guess you can't just assume it's going to land on the on the ground every time. Uh, but uh, the, the the time it's not being caught by Watson is is maybe just, in, you know, multiple drives getting killed. And that's, especially against Derrick Henry. I mean, if you're killing your offense with stalled drives, Derrick Henry will make the defense get tired. Like, it's it's not... It's not up to the defense. It's not. It's nothing that can be done about it. 
the longer you leave them out there to take those jabs, the sooner they're just going to eventually teeter over. No, yeah, exactly. So that 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 will be kind of the the story of of the game. Whether Tennessee can can you know kind of establish that 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 ground game and keep the keep the Packers offense off the field and a little bit under pressure when they are out there because the defense is simply not stopping uh, Tractor Cito and, and company. But um, beyond that, one last thing to touch on, you know, you, you mentioned the Simmons injury along the Tennessee front. Um, in your mind, do you feel like this is a good spot for, for the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon tandem? Uh, it's, it's tough for me to think through, especially given the short week detail. Like the Titans actually gave Derrick Henry a bit of a breather relative to his usual standards. Last, like I think he had only 19 carries, uh, whereas they, they, they will probably try to get him to 30 in this one. Aaron Jones had, uh, whatever, 25 carries or 24 carries last week. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a lot for him. He's not really built to do that week to week, and especially on a short week, especially in a cold setting, in my opinion. Like, if there's any kind of – if he's got a half a step missing, then that cold turns it into a full step, and, and it's it's not great for, you know, guy of his durability history either uh, to be taking a big volume, a uh, carry volume anyway. And, and against a, t- a Titans defense that's generally pretty tough against the run. And, you know, Vrabel teams always hit. They always play kind of psychotic. So um, it's it's not going to be a fun, easy game for the for the run game, in my opinion. And I think you might see them go maybe a little bit more of the split than usual to A.J. Dillon. Like try to keep Aaron Jones maybe around like 10 or 12 carries and, and Dillon maybe pick up the difference. Uh, I don't know. Uh, just because Dillon, A, short week, B, Dillon is built to – withstand that kind of abuse and he also there might be some kind of second half kind of thing to tap into with aj Dillon the same way as with derrick henry like not as pronounced but uh it's gotta suck to have to tackle that guy once especially once it gets colder yeah i mean that 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 was kind of the the thought uh when when the green bay packers drafted him a couple years back is like okay late season lambo like that's that's when you know he can he can really start to to pop off because that that's like tackling a refrigerator with a motor and the refrigerator happens to be filled with concrete uh yeah, yeah. just no Worst fun kind of fridge to <laughs> to stare down in the open field you don't um, like, yeah you don't love seeing that but yeah it's like uh, whereas henry goes to like almost 6 yards a carry in games 9 through 16 dylan's average stays about the same but the touchdown frequency i think is more than twice as much so mm. uh if he didn't have those touchdowns stopping him, he might have averaged like a yard more per carry himself. Good point. Good point. Um, anything else on this game before we move on over to Sunday? Uh, Randall Cobb is back. He might be a good bargain on DraftKings because he's like 600 or something, and he might he might play like 35 snaps or something like that. Okay. Bear that in mind. Those showdown state slate players out there. Um, quick question. Um my sarcasm meter might be going up for for this one, but uh, any updates on Marquise Brown? There's a chance that he uh, returns as early as this Monday night. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that there was a chance as of Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I had I hadn't kept track of that. So, uh, John, you just gave me my first update in uh, however long it's been since he got hurt. Too. Uh, yeah, to see him back, but I I don't know. It kind of. Weren't they expecting him to be out like a year initially? Like it's that seems like it, a quick, quick return for the kind of thing he had. It was it was like four, 
I think six to eight maybe was was the initial mm-hmm. timeline. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, if he can come back and play, that that's going to change a lot. I mean, I, I've had my uh, criticisms of Cliff Kingsbury and his system, obviously, but if you, if you got a, if you got, you know, in, in Cincinnati's case, it's Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Like you can kind of run a predictable crap offense and be bailed out by the talent. And yep. uh, Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins could be a similar thing. I I have you know that that's the Monday night game, so we'll end the show with that one. But I have a belligerent take about about that game and, and how it might unfold in Mexico that. city on uh, Monday night, but let's head on over to Sunday. We got the Falcons playing host to the bears Falcons, three point favorites at home. The total in this one setting in at 49 and a half, a couple of bad defenses, of course, on, on the field here, but that they, they kind of line up in a way that, that it doesn't necessarily like that where the defenses are weak don't necessarily align with, with the strength of the opposing offense. Like the, the Falcons, for instance, have the 31st uh, ranked pass defense. And, you know, the Bears are interested in throwing the ball maybe 22, 23 times a game. So we'll see, you know, how effective the Bears can be on, on that per uh, drop back basis. But I I kind of have a good feeling about the Bears in this spot. And I know that they they've they've run this strange narrative or this strange narrative is basically cropped up where there's optimism about the bears, but they they've only won like one game since they started waking up essentially, you know, like they, they, they got the early season win against the 49ers and all that, but they beat the Patriots. They've lost uh, every game since then, but the offense looks like it has something in that span. So therefore I think that there's been kind of like a positive narrative despite the, the losses stacking up. So uh, your thoughts on, on this Bears team, their direction, and and you know how it how it suits them this weekend in Atlanta. Well, yeah, losses are not uh, when a quarterback, especially a prospect like Fields, plays like he is has been. Uh, that's that's gonna you know for for understandable reasons get everybody pretty optimistic as as they should be. And uh, I mean, I I think uh, both of us. Uh, we're, we're kind of in the position of, of of saying like fields fields is not like for sure gonna work out or or uh, you know without risk or anything like that. But the idea that uh, he was ever you know the reason for the Bears' early season struggles always seemed kind of ridiculous. So uh, even to me as someone who didn't come out like I, I considered myself pretty pro fields. I had that one concern about him like pulling the trigger. Because um, the accuracy, that the the throwing strength, the athleticism in general, of course, were all insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, been pretty. With all that said, even though I was kind of like I think more optimistic than not with him, I am pretty shocked with how well he's done lately. Uh, happy to see it though, because it was it was uh, it was a lot of crap that he was dealing with for a while there, of course, and it was always uh, like unnecessary. It was like even if he's not great or whatever, the way the Bears were running things just made no sense and set him up for failure. So it's like, what do you know? They start leveraging his running abilities and all of a sudden things open up a little more for the pass. And then he makes a few pass plays he didn't in the first month. And that opens up even more running possibilities. Like the defenses are totally just dizzy and, and you know, tripping all over the place now. They can't figure out how to get a hand on him. And uh, that's that's kind of like, well, uh, on the one hand, it's like that that that's kind of what we thought should have been possible all along. But also uh, there's going to be an adjustment from defenses eventually like he's. He can be quite great and still uh, hit a rough stretch before this year ends and still finish the year 
with really good looking numbers and making him one of the highest scoring fantasy quarterbacks. Like that's, that's how insane he's, he's been lately. Uh, but it's like the stuff of like running for 150 yards a game, like that's, that's got to come down a bit, but what I'm optimistic about or what, what I'm hopeful for anyways, even when the rushing yardage comes down, like I said, it's going to be at the expense of the pass defense and particularly with, with Claypool there now, uh, hopefully Komet doesn't miss time with whatever that was that he had. Um, they should be able to throw more like the, the 20 pass attempts per game that doesn't need to be the way they run things, uh, especially if they're getting, getting, you know, another guy in the box, uh, another defender in the box. So uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I still don't know what I expect fields to, to turn out for like his median range, like his, his uh, settled in state will be interesting to see, but yeah, right now he's just kind of like obviously running wild and defenses are going to have to come up with, very specific responses to the threats that he's posing because they, they clearly uh, didn't expect it. And uh, there's no one else doing quite what he has. Like even Lamar, like, I mean, Lamar, I still consider the best running quarterback ever pretty easily, but fields has more of a frame to put on the line. Like he's got another like 15 pounds or whatever. So there's, there's just, he's doing stuff that like no one else can basically. Yeah. He's, he runs with a lot of oomph. Uh, what, once yeah, he gets like going, he's like 235 or something, and he's still, you know, he's not that much slower than Lamar. Yeah, absolute unit. Um, so you know that that's a problem for for the Falcons to contend with. Like you said, Komet has has come on uh, recently. You know his his emergence has kind of coincided with with the Bears' just kind of overall offensive renaissance. He's dealing with that thigh issue. Um, so we'll see where, where he's at as of as of Sunday. But, you know, having him along with Claypool and Mooney, I, I think, is like a, a decent enough setup for, for uh, them to have some success through the air on the Falcons side. Obviously, I live down here in Atlanta. After last week's game, I, I think a lot of people were kind of ready to go see Desmond Ritter um, behind behind center. Um, your thoughts on how Atlanta approaches this game and, you know, obviously on the on the Bears side. The offense has been great. The defense, since trading away, you know, all of its good players, has been pretty brutal. Uh, to the to the point where we're seeing, you know, teams rack up huge point totals and yard. I mean, the the Lions' offense had been dead in the water for weeks, and then they they go up to Soldier Field and put up over thirty points. So, yeah, Fal- do it on the know, road How did the Falcons too. look? Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, the, the Falcons are weird, and yeah, Mariota's. Not very good, uh, specifically like the just missing open shots thing is kind of concerning. But I, I don't, I personally have no position on the Ritter thing. I to, to be super clear, but I am a little, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm almost worried that you could call it. I guess that they're not going to go to him. But at the very least, like I'm kind of, you could call it. I'm a little skeptical of like the assumption that they're going to make a switch, uh, especially because Marcus Mariota is overall numbers on the year are still pretty good and uh not to, not to excuse these throws that he's missing i just i just bring up that point to say like ritter might be able to make some of these throws that mariota is just straight up missing for no good reason but he also might do a lot of other things not as well as mariota and and if mariota is overall producing kind of okay like it's not numbers you aspire to as an offense clearly but it's like better than i think we had reason to project with him so particularly when Mariota, ugly or not, is still doing a little better than people expected of him, it's going to be tough for Smith to, to make the switch to Ritter. And uh, if they do go to Ritter, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, he's he's interesting. He's, he's uh, 
you know, he's, he, it's impressive that he improved pretty much each year being a four-year starter at Cincinnati. And he, he does a lot of things plainly well, and he's clearly a very good athlete overall. But uh, at, at the very least, he won't be able to run the way Mariota has. Like Mariota, they leverage his frame quite a bit to the point that I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten hurt already. Uh, but they, they lean on the fact that Mariota runs the same 40 time as Ritter at about 15 pounds heavier. You know, they, they, they get, they get volume on the ground from Mariota. And I don't know if like Ritter can make the 20 yard run just as well as Mariota, but I don't know if he can give him uh, as many of the, you know, I don't know if he can go from carry five to 10 without something maybe going wrong. So right. I, I think they're kind of stuck with Mariota. I don't know what, I don't know what I expect out of Ritter. I, I still like him enough, but it's just, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't see something other than the accuracy component that he does clearly better than Mariota. And I, I don't know if Smith is going to care as long as Mariota is overall, you know, putting up decent aggregate numbers, which he is right now, ugly or not. Right. It, it, yeah. It's like one of those things where like the, the film may look kind of ugly, but the, the bottom line numbers look, look okay for, for Mariota. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's frustrating, especially as a Pitts investor, but it's like the, the other crazy thing about Pitts specifically is there's, a bunch of plays where he gets pen, uh, penalties uh, committed against him. And it's like, if, if he's running 30 routes instead of 20, maybe he gets that second shot and maybe the defense doesn't interfere and maybe he catches that one and you get fantasy points for it. But yeah, it's just really easy for the type uh, for, <laughs> for the Falcons to target hits surprisingly high uh, percentage wise. And it, you still just get nothing for it. Cause it's like, what's, what's 40% of 17, you know, it's like, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. No, exactly. So, yeah, it's just kind of the the way that the, the system is built there. Um, as for how weak that this Bears defense looks right now, what's what's the way that uh, we can expect the the production yeah. to come from for Atlanta? I'd like to say Pitts, but um, presumably uh, the Bears, like most defenses, will make their entire mission stopping him, and uh, everything else gets negotiated from that point. But uh, like you said, without Roquan, with the Bears' run defense just becoming a total mess in recent weeks, uh, it seems to me like the Mariota, Patterson, Algier, just uh, wishbone system should be pretty good. Uh, I don't know which two, but I think two of them will run pretty well in this game. And uh, if Huntley gets out there, he, I trust him to do a good job. So uh, I don't know what I expect of Fields' response. Like I expect a, a good response because the Falcons' defense sucks, but uh, you might just kind of see this game turn into kind of like a track meet, like literally, you know, on the ground too. Like the, it's just going to be kind of like uh, one long baton race or something until time eventually runs out. Well, I, th- I think with, with both of these games or both of these teams being kind of ground oriented, I wasn't shocked necessarily for to see the total as high as it was just based on, on you know, how these defenses are playing. But I, I think that we could just kind of as a result, see a lot of like, long sustained clock training drives um, where that this game ends up going under, despite the fact that like n- not a lot of great defense is being played. Yeah. I guess that uh, comes down to like how short the fields are and how many big plays either side makes. So it's like for the Falcons, I, I guess you might say like the more Patterson and Algier carries, the more likely their big play happens, but like the more that Mariota and Huntley take the, the less likely. So uh yeah, I don't know. It, it's it could turn into a bit of a track meet, though, even though it's on the ground, just because both defenses just kind of suck. And if if they get gassed and it's like, you know, fields against a tired defense or uh, even Mariota running against a tired, bad defense, like there could be 
there could be a lot of yardage on the ground. We might see like uh, rushing yardage numbers in this game that you normally see uh, for passing yardage in shootouts. Like it's it might be like eighty yards passing for both quarterbacks, but like two hundred on the ground. Yeah, yeah, a, a real like a classic Air Force versus Army uh, type yeah. of game almost. Like um, a four overtime one. <laughs> just a thing of beauty um before we get on over to our next game got a message from our friends over at blue wire we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we've also got a message from our friends over at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house in 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up today uh, with the promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. All right, let's hit a couple of questions here. Our listeners patiently waiting and got some good questions in here that this week, 
Um, let's see. We're, we are going to get to the Mark Andrews thing uh, here in a second. Vincent, um, we we are talking Ravens Panthers next teaser spoiler. Um, Clamped wants to know if you had to pick three of the following, who would it, that trio be? Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, or Joe Mixon? Who you benching from that group? Uh, it's tough. Um, I know I was just talking about how I'm a little concerned that Aaron Jones's workload might be somewhat contained, but I would still have a difficult time benching him. Uh, I'd, I'd probably leave him in. Do we know is, is Ezekiel Elliott supposed to return this week? I mean, he's been, I would lean you know, toward Pollard. I think either way, honestly, because I could imagine Eric Kendricks being a pretty effective counter to what Pollard does. And, uh, the, the Vikings run defense, I guess has been pretty good all year. So, um, I'd go Pollard, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, easy to get wrong. Cause those are all good options. Right. Exactly. You know, Stevenson against the jets would be the, the other one that I'd be close on, but I'm like definitely starting, uh, mixing and Aaron Jones, uh, yeah. and St- Stevenson and Pollard. I, I think you have the right read as far as Pollard is concerned. Um, Squilliam, uh, brother of Squidward wants to know, uh, your thoughts on starting Josh Palmer or Deontay Johnson. Uh, I would go with Deion. Am I missing something? Here? Like, I guess it's the chiefs thing, but, um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both practiced yesterday, right? Like, I feel like I read that. Um, I would, I would definitely lean Deontay. Yeah, I, I and, and I am originally a bit not, not a hater of Deontay, but uh, I, I, I was pushing back back when people were trying to say he was like a top ten receiver or whatever. And I do, as a prospect, hate Kenny Pickett, but I still would go with Deontay Johnson, like especially with a Wouzier out for the Bengals now. Right. Yeah. For for a while there, you were uh, the the gif of the guy with the sword as like the entire cavalry is coming after that him. guy. Yeah, John Snow. <laughs> Versus those guys. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you know, I'm not not a not a throne. Oh, that's right. You don't like Game of Thrones. He's just some guy to you. So, yeah, so that's just totally lost <laughs> on <guy>. me. <laughs> you know, like ten people leave the chat right now. They're like, okay, I can't listen to these football guys if they haven't watched enough Game of Thrones. Mario's watched enough for. for I know the two a lot us. about the Games of Thrones, but right. uh, yeah, John the- John was repulsed even from season one. <laughs> just couldn't do it. I'm just gonna watch Dumb and Dumber for the 78th time instead. Um, <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. All right. Onward. Uh, we'll get some more questions here mi- mixed in as we go, but we're going Ravens Panthers. Guess who's going to be in the house for that one? Uh, this guy. Oh yeah. Wow. Flying um, up Sunday morning, heading right to the big crab cake. Taking a sign in there. I might, I might have to, I don't know if, if TSA will let me through with what I, with what, what I want to put on it. You would, you would be a good, uh, you could make a good, like, um, what is that Saturday? That What's that college, college game day? Like you'd be mm-hmm. good at making a college game day caliber sign for a Thursday for a Sunday game. Oh, that's like the biggest compliment you could have given me. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, however, um, when it comes to this game, we got Baker Mayfield starting for the Panthers. Uh, he has some experience starting against the Ravens from his Browns days, of course. And the Ravens are pretty sizable favorites in this one. 13-point uh, favorites, it looks like right now. So that's up a little bit over over the course of this week. Um, so 
do you think the Ravens have what it takes to to blow a team out, even if it is as, as lowly as the Panthers? Kind of, but only because only the pan, only because of the Panthers part. Like I'm not so uh, drawn toward the the Ravens. I, I I don't want to repeat myself too much. I just, I just hate Greg Roman's offense, and uh, I guess it's a little personal too. Like, doesn't that goatee make you angry? That drawn on goatee doesn't that piss you off? It's like the the South Park episode with like the Bizarro South Park kids, and they and like Cartman has the goatee. But there's no like what is uh, the good parallel universe? Greg Roman, I can't imagine it. It's got to be like a, it's it's got to be kind of like the thing with Chef, where it's like Chef in my universe, you're a white insurance salesman. Like <laughs> it's got to be that kind of thing. Um, anyway, I, I I think Lamar is great, and sometimes he transcends the whole rotten uh, thing they got with that offense there. And uh, Gus Edwards, if he's back, that would be helpful. I, I don't know what that Andrews question was, John, but um, him oh, practicing just a, on his status, yeah, yeah, him think practicing, he's gonna play? even if it's limited as of yesterday, I think you know, knock on wood, means he's probably back, probably going to be more or less himself. Yeah, so, I'm, uh, I'm thinking big. so as well. Yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? And, you know, what, even kind of regardless of, of Andrew's status, I think just the sheer lack of depth that the Ravens have at receiver, I still think that yeah. Isaiah likely ends up being plenty involved in the passing game this week. Uh, I, I will say that I don't know. Like, they'd have to run the offense a little differently than they did before Andrews got hurt. Because uh, they they went about a good month there, where pretty much every two tight end look that they had, like other than like five snaps a game, every every formation with two or more tight ends, the second tight the non Andrews tight end didn't run routes, so mm-hmm. uh, they would have to get that second route runner, like you kind of hinted at, they'd have to have likely basically lining up for a wide receiver rep. Uh, if they do those things, then yeah, they could get both on the field and specifically both running routes at the same time. Uh, it would just kind of require a slightly tinkered approach, I guess. More like the the approach they opened the season with before they went away from that for about six weeks. Yeah, and but I, I feel like the, the Ravens have generally been playing a little bit better of late. You know, they, they've won three in a row. I didn't think they looked particularly good against Cleveland, but I, I thought they played their best game against the Bucs. And I thought that the defense looked particularly lively against the Saints. And, you know, those aren't two stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think uh, whereas I was pretty skeptical of how this uh, McDaniel uh, or McDonald, McDaniel, McDonald uh, experiment was going to go on the on the defensive side of the ball. It seems like he's kind of adjusted, figured things out. Uh, he was Michigan's defensive coordinator, who's the new one in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Yeah, well, he needed to pick it up. I was getting a, I, I didn't even know who the defensive coordinator was for a long time. And then this year, I almost was like, who, who the hell is even? Because I don't like what they're doing that much. Like they, they, uh, they've, they've not upheld the tradition taught to us by Dean Pease and Wink Martindale and, and all them. No, they're not blitzing at all. So that you know, I was I was very concerned, but it, it seems like it's 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 turned around. That you know, Justin Houston obviously back from the dead, and um, Calais Campbell was getting in the mix. They're they're not too far from having Ojabo back. Uh, Tyus Bowser got back. Oh in the mix right, recently. that would be that could be a game changer actually. 
Uh, yes. I don't know how healthy Ojabo is going to be, but they, they need for five years. They've needed someone to make an actual uh, pressure from the edge. <laughs> it's yeah, it's been uh, tough to find for, for Baltimore, a bit, a bit of a blind spot. Um, but beyond that, um, or speaking of the, the Ravens defense, you know, what, what can we expect from the, from this Panthers offense uh, here on the road? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think they're in a, the, the Panthers are in a pretty difficult spot. So I, I could imagine the Ravens, I guess, teeing off on them a bit. Like it's, it's, it's a bad offense that the Panthers have. I, I do think Baker's better than PJ Walker, but it's like, it, what is what's the difference? I don't really comparing not, rotten just, apples to wrap rotten oranges. Yeah. It's like, uh, one's, one's rotted and, and out on, on the floor stinking up everything. And the other is in a nice Ziploc bag, but still, fully rotted uh yeah but it's, it's like radioactive if you touch it yeah the ravens um i guess to go back to your previous question i guess i could see them finally you know really beating the team up big time and uh yeah maybe if gus edwards especially is ready to go in this one you can imagine him just kind of you know tenderizing them in the second half especially yeah that, that's where i've been at it all week you know the ravens well rested uh you know they they Greg probably can't screw this up to be fair to Greg. (laughs) So this one time, you know, mark it down November 17th at at 1132 Eastern. He, we, we proclaim that not even against the Panthers can, can Roman completely uh, screw this one. You race that goatee all the same. (laughs) It it needs to go. It's, it's full of rub it off full of just for men uh, fumes, just like just flying into his face from, no, from the John, coordinator's it's not just booth. For men. It is drawn on with a marker. <laughs> no, the, then the, the fumes are even fumes like more still got fumes in play. Yeah. Uh, major, major, you know, uh, potentially toxic brain altering fumes. Um, I think that that about covers uh, the, the Ravens Panthers game as only we can. Got a question in the chat about our next game. We got the, uh, Bills hosting the Browns with a potential biblical snowstorm coming to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that game's happening, honestly. I mean, they've just, what, I, like, what are they even, it sounds like it's too much snow to move. I don't know. It, it sounds like it's just kind of a joke. My, my question is, you know, can one of the municipal buses in Buffalo that have like the snow shovel on them, can they fit that into the stadium or can that go onto Probably. the field without breaking it? They might have to like, like chopper in the, 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 sh- the shovel at the end. What do you call it? A plow, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's fitting through the, the walkway, but they have like ambulances on the field and stuff, don't they? Uh, but yeah, I think they're, they're Again, at least I don't at know where you're ready. putting any of that snow. That's so much snow. Uh, anyway, if, if it's, if they, for some reason, let that game happen, everything could be so wacky. It's like, I don't know how you, how you project anything, especially on the basis of matchup. It's just kind of like more a science experiment at that point. And uh, I don't know if anyone's run the, the, the last time, the, the most infamous, like really heavy snow game that I immediately have jumped to mind is uh, that it was, it was, it was a day when like Megatron was, was super chalky, I guess against the Eagles. And it was, it was super snowy and the, and they just, they couldn't field a serious game basically, or at least the lions couldn't. So, uh, Nick Chubb, if, if, uh, if he can set his feet, I guess I would expect uh, snow to suit him perfectly fine and maybe even kind of like level the, the, 
the playing field a little bit in the sense that you would otherwise, I think, give the Bills defense the advantage against most offenses, including Cleveland's. Uh, but yeah, no one's throwing the ball if it's if it's really like that, just absurd of weather conditions. Uh, so uh, yeah, my my thinking is, is you know when, when you approach this from a fantasy perspective, I'm more than likely starting my like top end guys from this game. Like uh, I'll I'll start Josh Allen still unless like yeah. I have a Justin Fields on my bench. Um, I'll start Stephon Diggs likely. Um, Chubb, I like you said, I, I feel good about for sure. Um, because the, the thing about these snow games is, you know, the defenses are the one that that are slightly at a disadvantage. Like obviously the the offense becomes a little bit one more one dimensional, but the defenders are the ones that are running backwards and having to change direction reactionarily. Yeah. So I think that you know the the offense could have the edge in that sense, and I think Chubb could be you know a big factor uh, in that one. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that the Bills are particularly well suited to to like have a game in which they can't throw. Yeah, uh, and I guess I should back up a little bit. It looks like the snow should be mostly done. Uh, like it might be apparently just a first quarter kind of thing. So, uh, with that said, uh, a I don't know if logistically they can run the game. Like they can. How do you have like the roads functioning and everything? I don't know. Um, so I'm kind of skeptical that they. Or I don't know, I'd, I'd be alert for, I guess, something maybe getting audible at the last second here. Uh, but even if there's no snow during the game, the field's going to be a little strange, like, somehow. And uh, also, it's supposed to be very windy there. So uh, you're talking, like, 18-mile-per-hour winds. I would assume the gusts are going to be 35, pushing 40, something like that. So, yeah, cold, any snow laying around, wind like that, it's still going to be difficult. Uh, but, yeah, I think if, as long as it's not doing the blizzard during the game, Josh Allen and Diggs, you probably have to leave in because uh, you need, you need like the base win to be 30 before you're seriously considering benching either of them. Uh, I think Singletary sets up pretty well, actually. I mean, the runs, uh, the, the rounds run defense is so bad. I don't even care who the running back is. Like even mm-hmm. uh, I would say Brian Robinson could run against the Browns defense. So uh, Singletary, could be in a really good spot again after basically the same deal as last week. It's like if they're running for a touchdown and it's not Allen, it's Singletary right now. Uh, Hines can't really run behind the tackles. James Cook can't take more than like five carries in a game. So Singletary is going to have to do a lot of work. So my, my last comment on, on this game, I, I just hope that Buffalo takes heed from last weekend uh, down in Fayetteville and gets the Arkansas grounds crew. Uh, up, up to <laughs> to help matters. Ice water on the field. <laughs> it was worth a it, shot, John. It was worth if a- uh, if somehow any of our viewers and listeners did not see uh, the the Arkansas groundskeeping plan from from last weekend, when there's ice and snow all over the field, and they're just like, we'll just spray it with it. We'll just that's, run the sprinklers, baby. That's almost as stupid, and like it's almost like the same thought process of that thing they had to issue the PSA against and wherever that hurricane was like, please do not shoot the hurricane with a gun. Uh, like that's, that's like the level of, of thought, like the, the same kind of thinking. It's just like, well, hell let's, let's shoot it with a gun. See if that does something. Let's, let's spray water on the frozen field. Just, uh, you know, see, see how it, see how it handles it. 
know. What water is uh it's it's warmer than ice, so clearly it will stay that way if we just put a bunch of it <laughs> on like the they, ice. They went way overboard at, like taking the wrong lesson from that thing about like actually it's too cold to snow. If it's snowing it means it's a little warmer. Yeah, there's like it's uh Anyway, it's it, it really happened. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were just I thought people were just joking or making a, a fake caption that's like just hosing down the frozen field. So good. Just, uh, so it can't be that bad, I guess. Uh, I guess I guess the game has a chance as long as those guys stay in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. But it would be funny if they somehow made it up to, to Buffalo to to they they were brought in for their expertise uh, on the matter. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's keep rolling. Uh, we got Texans commanders, commanders, three point favorites, uh, on the road in this spot. They just had an impressive victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get, we'll get to the Eagles here shortly, but what do you take away from, from that commanders game? And, you know, how does it apply in this spot on the road against Houston? Oh, the, the pass rush showed up a little bit, and, and McLaurin obviously is just awesome. So uh, Washington looks better than they did to start the year. I would call Heineke an improvement over Wentz also, so that's that's another thing they got. If that's true, it's another thing that's, that's uh, made them better of late. Uh, I know I was just talking about how uh, even Brian Robinson can run against the, the Browns' run defense. It's so bad, and the Texans run defense is also that bad. So uh, even though I think uh, the, the reason for this is that any running back who has so much has been on like a preseason 85 man roster would be able to produce against this run defense uh, just the same. So can Brian Robinson probably. I saw, I saw a stat where Houston is hashtag on pace to give up 3000 rushing yards this year. Look, they're probably the last team that did that too. Or has that never happened? I don't know. I, like, they've had I'm a couple sure. really bad run defenses over the years, I feel like. Um, yes. Not, this is more like 10 years ago. It's not so much like the Bill O'Brien era specifically. Um, but yeah, uh, Houston's run defense is insanely bad. It's just, it's quite simply like sub NFL quality. It's, 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 it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, even Brian Robinson can do something in this game. They, they're they're hell bent on making him happen, so it's uh, they're going to go to it. And uh, I don't know if Houston has the capacity to sell out against the run and actually do it. And even if they they, they wouldn't do that, or they they probably get burned for it because you can't sell out against the run when Terry McLaurin and not to not to skip Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, those guys are all good. Um, but yeah, you you have to defend the pass against Washington. So uh, and and somewhat uh, funnily to me anyway, Brian Robinson is the kind of bad that like the defense will literally defend the run less when he's on the field, even though they know he's a running specialist. It's like you, it, it doesn't matter if what the coaches are telling you doesn't matter the progression of your keys or whatever. It's like you get out there and you're like, Oh, well that it's, it's eight. Okay. Well, uh, I got other things to worry about. Where's, where's this guy. Whereas like when, when there's a really good running threat on the field, you're going to, you're going to be like, even and in this case, it's, it's Antonio Gibson. Basically, that's like they're going to defend the run more, even though they know he's he's not even a, a running specialist. It's like it's it's higher on your list of concerns. So yeah, Brian Robinson could get to like I don't know 120 yards in this game, and like all the biggest morons in the world are going to start tweeting at me if that happens. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to uh, um, I don't know lock my account, I guess. Uh well, yeah, I, I knew that the 
Brian Robinson would, would be the end of your of your Twitter account. Uh, we it's been coming. But, he's gonna run um, for like 125 yards on 26 carries, and he'll still finish the year with a rushing average of 3.3. And yep, with you know all of the damage basically being being done against Houston. Uh, on the Houston side of things, uh, did have a Damian Pierce question uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, would you trade Damian Pierce for Ramondre Stevenson? Uh, no, I don't think I, I, would. I wouldn't either. Uh, leave, leave that be. Houston's bad. Damian Pierce, good. Um, and and then yeah, th- there you go. Uh, there, there's a quick hitting analysis for you. And then uh, going back to that Browns game for a second, uh, Nezzy wants to know, would you start Pacheco over Kareem Hunt, given the potential weather factor in Buffalo? Uh, man, it's really tough for me to trust anything with the Kansas City backfield. I, I think Pacheco can do it if they give him the work. I just, I, oh man, I think I would probably go with Pacheco, but I, I, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing as I try to answer that. Yeah, it, it, it's brutal. As like Andy Reid, Andy Reid hates our fantasy teams more than Patrick Mahomes does. With, with uh, you know, that it comes out and says like, you, you know, you guys are not going to like us and with how much we're mixing in uh, our various target distributions and stuff. But now the backfield has been the one that, that has been <laughs> just brutal to figure out over the course of this season. People think I'm joking, but it's literally going to be the reason they lose in the playoffs because they, they need production. You need a certain level of production and you need everybody that you have to pitch in what's necessary to add up to that amount. And if you keep taking one yard, a snap from your running back reps, it's it's just hubris to think that Patrick Mahomes can pick up all of the slack differential and never have a rough stretch, especially against I don't know maybe the best defenses in the conference if you're if you're in the playoffs. So uh, it'll be why they 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 will need more yards than they will get from their backfield, and that's why they'll lose. There we go. All right, well, uh, put that in the can for for January. But yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, let's see here. Um, anything else to add on the Houston side? Uh, no. Okay. Same here. Um, Indianapolis, Philadelphia, this game taking place at Lucas oil stadium, Eagles, six and a half point favorites on the road. This line moved a ton, uh, in light of both Indianapolis winning and Philadelphia losing. This was like 10 and a half on Sunday morning. I think this is a great spot to, to buy back in on Philly at a discount. Can I get a nice payout on the original spread? Because I'd be interested in that. Yes, like I, I'm all over the Eagles in this game. That they, they got their their loss out of the way. Uh, what what better spot could there be uh, than going up against Indianapolis, who is still a very very bad team? And and really, last week was all about the Raiders fumbling the bag in pretty much the most hilarious way possible. Yeah, I I, I think the Colts still suck. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he's he's a threat. He can. He can hurt you if you're not careful. And the, the Eagles' run defense, uh, especially without Jordan Davis, is not good. So it's it's something they need to be careful about. And I, I guess I should have given more thought uh, to to the possibility of Taylor just kind of having a crazy game. I still don't. I don't think he has a 40 yard carry yet. Or wait, before he had that 60 yarder this week, uh, he had none. Whereas I think he's he's usually like a 440 yard player. Uh, most seasons so he still is kind of like due for a few more big games the Eagles could give up one here I just 
uh, right or wrong, I'm kind of optimistic that the Eagles offense at least will get back on track. And also, I, I guess I kind of question whether the, the Colts are going to be committed enough to the run to, to protect Ryan as much as they need to. Uh, if they try to do that thing where they're like, we're forward thinking, we like to throw the ball 40 times, especially on first downs. It's like, well, that's going to get you killed. So don't do that. Uh, if they do that, the more the more early down passes they do with Ryan, the better for the Eagles. Yes. Yeah, you get you get them playing behind the chains and, you know, th- things just kind of melt down pretty quickly. And then, you know, for Philly's side of things, obviously they um, they played their worst game of, of the year. Obviously, um, all those turnovers And one of my one of my kind of lingering thoughts about Philadelphia moving forward. I think that that game kind of played in a, in a vacuum like you're you're not going to see them or likely not going to see them melt down like that. Uh, the rest of the way, but at the same time, it's a little bit concerning to me that they had basically been able to play on easy mode all the way until last week, where there had been yeah. essentially no adversity facing them in any game. And I think part of that is the schedule, but also for their own part, they just hadn't been turning the ball over like whatsoever. I think they might have matched their season total and turnovers in just one game last week. So you, you know, taking a longer term view. I think they need to be a little bit better prepared for when things don't go perfectly according to plan. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I, I have no data to back this up or whatever, but I kind of think a game like last week's can be a little bit helpful for them, actually, because it's 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 not to say that they're going to, like, by losing or having bad games, identify every problem they have and work through it like it's not necessarily that, but it is good to be in the position to just w- uh, the position where things aren't going your way, and you have like some experience trying to work back from those things. Because like you lose those games, so that when you have the turnover you're not used to in the playoffs, you you're actually a little bit battle tested and coming back from that those conditions. Like you don't want all of your experience to be in easy conditions, like you said, when in the playoffs it's rarely possible you just don't get easy as an option you have to be able to claw through things so you need practice clawing back and uh they didn't win that game but it's it's, that's not the significance of it it's that they they, hopefully the second time they see it the third time they see it they they know better what to do um i think it was a meaningless game more or less it was just like a couple the ball bouncing the wrong way kind of loss and uh when they a game they win like i don't know seven times out of ten something like that like uh, Quez Watkins stays on his feet. That's a touchdown, not a fumble that that goes to Washington. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. and and you know, for, not for nothing. But uh, I thought that that might have been like the best ball I've ever seen Jalen Hurts throw. Yeah, uh, and I guess uh, I should say like no Goddard obviously hurts the Eagles. So maybe maybe that's enough reason for me to rethink the the spread thing too because the Goddard is really really good even if he doesn't always show up in the box scores like he's he's always an extremely good player so uh jack stole or whatever and uh these other guys i don't even know who they are so they're they're slack and uh they're not used to playing with that slack so they might i guess have a little bit of a struggle to to fit to figure out there too yeah no that 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 will be an important thing for them I, i guess he's supposed to return sometime in the middle of next month but that means you know a few games without him, but I, I do believe that they overall take care of business uh, this Sunday in Indianapolis. 
let's hit Jets Patriots, and then we we got a couple of couple of real gems coming up after that one. But um, both these teams coming off the bye. We know that the Patriots won last time. Matthew Judon probably still haunting Zach Wilson's nightmares at, at this point. The red sleeves uh, probably just a, something that scares him if, even if he just sees that in public at this point. But um, this game in Foxborough, Jets get a second chance at, at it. It wasn't that big of a blowout. They had some some dumb things happen, self-inflicted in that first game against the Patriots. How do you see this one going with the Patriots favored? Uh, it's tough for me to think through. I, I feel like some of... Uh, Mac Jones's struggles might have been a little bit uh, not due to, but related to the the new scheme that they were implementing this year. And I think uh, just kind of putting him in situations that he was not versed on, you know, more like higher difficulty situations than he was used to basically. So I could imagine, I guess I should say, I, I kind of just think Mac Jones is going to get a little better, but he's been properly bad for most of the year. So it's, it's not like, especially not against this Jets defense that's good. Do I want to assume today is where this game is where Jones starts correcting everything? Uh, it's, it's easy to imagine him struggling against a defense this good, especially uh, even at home. So I, I don't know. I, I think the Patriots kind of need to run things the way they did the last time where they started out a little slow. And then over the course of the game, Stevenson, um, you know, with the, with the defense getting favorable field positioning set up, Stevenson ground down the Jets defense and they pulled away in the second half. And I think that's how they have to play it here, too. It's like if they get I think I think to to a, to throw the ball too much early on would be a little bit uh, not, not not hubris exactly, but the wrong idea anyway. I think you need to just understand that, like. Not yet, anyway. Is Jones and this this group of receivers ready to to really go head on against a defense like the Jets and uh, get that defense tired before you try to throw the ball too much and ideally in you know as much play action as possible as as much play action as possible. Yeah, they they they're not going to be able to throw on on the Jets until you know they they have them worn down. So that that's a, a very good point. Um, on the on the Jets side of things, you know, last time we saw them, they beat the Bills. Obviously, yeah. Josh Allen wasn't at 100%. He made some dumb turnovers in that game, of course. Uh, but Mac Jones can can do something similar uh, as well. But um, any optimism or ways in which you can be optimistic when it comes to the Jets here? Um, it would it would have to be that they hide Zach Wilson and and expose Mac Jones more than the Patriots do Zach Wilson because uh, unlike Ramondre, Damian Harris. I don't think the Jets side and part of this is due to, you know, offensive line injuries and, and James Robinson not even being healthy himself. Uh, certainly if they had Brees Hall, it'd be a different question entirely too. But the Jets running game doesn't credibly have the option of, of accumulating volume and wearing down the Patriots offense. It's like the Patriots offense or sorry, the Patriots defense. The Patriots defense uh, the Jets still would like to see them gassed, but if they get gassed, it's not gonna really be so much that the Jets moved the ball and got first downs and kept them on the field as much as the Patriots offense just failed even more rapidly and gave them even <laughs> shorter fields. Uh, and then if you keep any defense, just stand, even if they're just kind of standing around on the field uh, the whole time, that, that will tire them out more than letting them sit on the sideline will. So uh, maybe the Jets kind of in the fourth quarter, if they, if they really make a low scoring affair of it, maybe the Jets kind of just choke, 
out eventually the the Patriots defense with just like you know three yard runs until they turn into four and five yard runs uh I don't know what else they can get going I mean Garrett Wilson can make big plays after the catch and everything but uh the Zach Wilson part he he needs to be you know bailed out one way or another no he he definitely does uh Tony chimes in saying nah Mac Jones is just trash I don't trust any of the Pats other than Ramondre and you know what I echo that sentiment. I'm on the Jets in this one. Wow. Um, okay. Well, I, I think the I think Mac Jones is is pretty bad, and at least present time. So I, I don't actually have a big uh, preference in this one. But I'll pick the Patriots just because I I don't know. Have you seen Zach historically? Wilson? That's yeah. a smart pick. Definitely. Have you seen Zach Wilson. Um, <laughs> I I try to avoid as much Zach Wilson as I like. I'll, I'll like be interested when the Jets' defense is on the field, but like otherwise, I'm I'm especially with no Brees Hall anymore. The defense slaps. Uh, yeah. It's it's cool to see Sauce Gardner just rocking out as as hard as he does. Um, but I think we we've got that one covered. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, which is a doozy, folks, uh, we got a message from our friends over at Stathead. It's easy to find Derrick Henry's statistics from this year. With a quick Google search and a visit to Pro Football Reference, you can see that he's rushed for over 900 yards and nine touchdowns. But that raises more questions. How many other players have hit those marks through nine games? How many did it at Henry's age? To answer those questions, there's Stathead. Stathead is your all-access pass to the Pro Football Reference database. In Stathead, you can compare up to six players' stats side-by-side to determine who to start and who to sit, or you can dig through advanced stats to find the perfect player to add off waivers. There's an array of simple tools that unlock an endless number of search options, all using the same easy-to-use interface that you already know from Pro Football Reference. Plus, Stathead lets you browse Pro Football Reference ad-free. Sign up with the promo code ROTOWIRE for $20 off an annual subscription to Stathead. Also got a message from our friends over at MKF. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So... What are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right. Been teasing it here for a minute. Let's get to it. Saints, Rams. What's going on there? Um, I, I guess, uh, let's see. Do we expect Stafford back in? I noticed he's listed as a full participant in uh, Wednesday's practice. So Yeah, I think that's a that's probably a fair assumption at, at this point. So I, th- I think he's I'm, I'm approaching this game as if Stafford's playing, but I'm also Plus, approaching this uh, game. Walford. Uh, is it Bryce Perkins is the third one? Um, yeah. So uh, with, I, I think if it were Bryce playing, it, it would be the saints favored by more than three. So we can Maybe, like you said, kind of just assume Stafford's back in here because otherwise, they, I don't know how they, it could get pretty bad for them uh, if they have to go to Bryce Perkins. The Saints, I don't know, man. They're they're kind of just a bad, obviously, and they're, they're so beat up. It's like 
Marshawn Lattimore still not practicing yesterday. It's been like two months. Uh, did he just have like a proper abdominal tear or something like that? Because I feel like he's been out a long time. Um, then they got, uh, let's see. We, we don't know if they're going to have their left tackle. They don't know if they're going to have their left guard. They might not have their right tackle. <laughs> they, uh, I think we're already down somebody else on the interior. I can't remember yeah, who. They're, so they're four starting or four of their starting linemen were not practicing Wednesday. So that that it's is fun. a concern. As much as yeah. I just want to like bang on the Rams, uh the the Saints might simply just be too uh just battered I, at the Yeah. Point. Man, with Stafford, if Stafford is in, even with Cooper Cup out, with Stafford in Aaron Donald against an offensive line that's down four out of five starters is about all that I really need to hear. Uh, that, like, I know it hasn't been a very good season for him and the Rams, but you put him against a bunch of backups, they're just going to get abused. It's it's not it's not going to be good for them. You think you think the Saints just kind of need to make this a Taysom Hill game as a result? Just <laughs> limit those dropbacks. Uh, I don't know. He might. This is kind of a, a tasteless thing to say, but uh, it might just get a. It might just kind of make all like the, he'll have that BYU scenario where it's like he breaks his leg every like six games. Yep, he went, he went like four years breaking his leg like three times, and uh, yeah, just running into the teeth of of the the Aaron Donald defense with a bunch of backup linemen might just kind of be serving up Hill as like a human sacrifice, and then they still lose. <laughs> brutal but uh, you know what the, there is precedent behind it so you're, you're not out of line on that one um i, I think that the, the question that people want to know it, in light of the the cup injury you know i think everyone is so jaded about Allen robinson at this stage you know who do you like in as far as his passing game goes and and does stafford have enough right now himself to to like make it work yeah, uh, sorry, I can't think of who would even be doing the slot coverage for the for the Saints in this one, but you would think it's primarily the slot that opens up for Robinson, and not that Cooper Cup always lined up in the same spot, but McVay's best dialed-up looks were usually through the slot in some way or another, and I don't say this to take any credit from Cup, but like pretty much every time they could cook up anything, it would go to him specifically, so... Robinson mostly yes disappointed because he's probably just not very good anymore but he also never really had the benefit of the offense specifically prioritizing him whereas now they have no choice but to so I, I don't I don't want to say a good finish for Robinson is in store but it has to be a lot better than he started yeah it, i mean just the the sheer volume uptick should help him be somewhat useful but i don't know if it's going to be explosive with, with his catches but uh you know and he'll need to find the end zone but there, there's the opportunity at the very least should be there yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he has a couple like eight catch 100 yard games before the year is over no I, I don't think i would either even with how rough things were i think that's well said about uh you know him playing within the confines of an offense that's basically specifically tailored um, for Cooper Cup. Um, so, yeah, even with all all of the Rams' uh, misgivings this year, they probably can't screw this one up. The, the total is 38.5. That just goes to show you uh, how, rough it, how rough it is for both of these sides right now. Um, let's hit Giants-Lions. We got the Giants' three-point favorites at home against the Lions. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a Dan Campbell supporter, but I still don't really really know why we'd expect them to be that close in this game. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess it's kind of interesting. On covers, it it's indicating that seventy one percent of the betting volume apparently is on the Giants, and yet uh, the line has gone from three and a half to three. So uh, somebody out there has even more faith in man Campbell than I do. And uh, I, I, maybe I'm missing something. Um, I guess we uh, like Dexter Lawrence and, and Kayvon Thibodeau didn't practice yesterday, but Lawrence they're listing as slash rest. So he should be fine. Uh, am I missing some other like big injury for the giants or something like that? Uh, I think yeah. there, the, I mean, this was a problem for or a factor last week, but McKinney, I think, is still out. Oh, uh, geez, he must be on like IR then. Um, yeah, he, would, he got injured during their bye week. Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, I totally missed that. Okay, that yeah, is a like big an deal. ATV accident gone awry. Oh, my God. He did the, did, he did exactly the Sony Michelle. Oh, man. You're not supposed to do that. Brutal. Uh, so yeah, that sucks for the Giants. It's definitely good news for specifically Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, DeAndre Swift could theoretically benefit too if they try to use him, but especially St. Brown. Like St. Brown might have seen Xavier McKinney pretty much every play. So uh, I don't know. I, I always worry about Jared Goff in like any non-dome, any non-surf uh, weather kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see what the it's supposed to be pretty windy there. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, the under the underneath stuff for St. Brown is going to be easier than than if McKinney had been playing certainly. But bad golf uh, is liable to to really pop up in this one. So I don't know. I I don't want to pick a side, I guess, but I I just can't pick golf to cover. Uh, breaking news here from Mike Garofolo. Uh Looks like Jeffrey Simmons is expected to play tonight. Uh, yeah, it's the uh, it's not great news for the Packers. I mean, they're, they're still fine or whatever, but it, it's a lot easier to beat the Titans when they don't have Jeff Simmons. Yeah, he is a monster. Um, and uh, for for the record, our 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 buddy, our colleague Nick Whalen made the Giants minus three his best bet for this week. All right. Uh, well, I haven't been following his picks this year. I'm sorry, Nick, but uh, he, he's been I good. Believe, but the best he, he can't get the best bets right. Can't do it. So he has he has to do the bad MGM read almost every week when we do the pod. <laughs> well, maybe this week he uh, makes you do the read. Uh, the The rule is if we both get it right, then the person who read it last time st- has to roll it over. Oh my and god, I, that's I'm uh, not losing mine. That's like um, medieval kind of. Yeah, now we we yeah we put each other in the in the torture chamber on on that pod. It's pretty funny, um, but. Uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, I think I think we've we've touched on the the necessary things for for this Lions Giants game. Let's go. Uh, what what I think is a strong contender to Rams Saints for sicko game of the week. We've got Raiders Broncos. Oh my God, that's sicko game of the century. <laughs> oh man, getting all nauseous thinking about this. Uh, uh, oh my God. All right, well. <laughs> Yeah, this is bad. Uh, these teams are bad. I don't like these teams. Uh, make make you get all sad. Uh, they do. At these two teams. 
Yeah, the, the, the Raiders sure seem to me like they have a bit of a mutiny problem going on, even though uh, I don't like who was somebody. Somebody was reporting that they heard from a source that Mark Davis is locked in for uh, sorry, that uh, Josh McDaniels is locked in for at least two years, which would be completely insane if it's true. And, and given how bad things have gotten already, it would seem to indicate that like Mark Davis's finances are really not in good shape. He's like he's like a he's like by far the poor, uh, the poorest NFL owner uh, and like everything that he has is just kind of like the remains of like elves inheritance. Uh, have Al you seen what his house is supposed to look like in Vegas? Like I'm sure that there's just a lot of money uh, tied up in that bad boy. It looks like the death star, like even more so oh, than the stadium okay. itself. Well, yeah, uh, that's, that's good. I'm glad he cat, uh, got a good bang for the, the dollar before it uh, depreciated. But uh, yeah, he, if he's if he's leaving McDaniel's in, even with everything looking as bad as it is, with Derek Carr just doing that press conference, just like begging them to fire McDaniel's, and uh, this thing with Clell and Farrell and two three other guys uh, getting like disciplinary scratched, it's like that's strange. Like multiple veteran players all getting scratched for coaches' decision reasons for for non uh, injury reasons. That is interesting. You know, he was. He clearly said these these are not healthy scratches. These are like disciplinary scratches. So, uh, yeah, maybe they can just fix that. It's, it's, uh, it sounds there. There's strong parallels, you know, with, with the the money, like the office politics, um, with with this situation as there are uh, at Texas A and M. I thought you were going to say uh, Urban Meyer, and I was going to say we need Daniel Carlson to say that Josh McDaniels called him a, a goober or whatever, or like put it, put his flicked his ears while he was kicking. Uh, so he can get the four cause justification. So Mark Davis can afford to fire McDaniels Ca- called him Anders, uh, which is Carlson's brother's name. Uh, you know, that the, the, the biggest insult you could give, but you yeah, could just call him uh, what would that be like Thor then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they are like a, a Nordic bunch there, but um, yeah, j- a couple like about a month ago, Jimbo Fisher had some players at the at the South Carolina A and M game uh, smoking the reefer, uh, like in the oh locker room. Yeah. So well, I don't know if they were doing well. it in protest in this case, but uh, yeah, I can imagine Josh McDaniels scratching someone over that. Yes, somewhat understandably. So yeah, yeah, I think I think so as well. It's blatant, but uh, you know, when it comes to this game, you know, we we've been some of the OG Broncos current regime haters, but I, I, I stopped short of saying that they can screw this one up. I don't think, yeah, I think Denver wins easily. I don't think they can screw this up. Uh, the team seems to think, you know, they probably think Hackett's a bit of a goof because he just is, he's, he's a complete uh, silly goose of a man. But it seems like the Broncos don't actually hate him, whereas it seems uh, like Carr, especially doing that whole thing. I mean, I don't know what anyone thought he was getting at. To me, it seemed pretty clearly like he was just saying, like, I can't keep doing this and we need the guy in charge to not be in charge anymore. Uh, Whereas, you know, we we haven't seen uh, not yet anyway. Have we seen Russell Wilson uh, doing like crocodile tears uh, asking for ownership to intervene or whatever? True. Very true. Uh, you know, the Hackett's got them all, I guess, on the same goofy page. Um, so, 
yeah, like the Broncos here, yeah, fairly strongly. I love that it's just two and a half. I think that they can win that one by, you know, close to a touchdown, I think. Um, yeah, they could win by a lot because, like, even if the Raiders throw to catch up, it's like, A, that's taking the ball away from Jacobs, and B, like, turnovers uh, could definitely happen, especially if Sertan is just kind of removing Devontae Adams. Right, ex- exactly. So, that yeah, they, they somehow don't have a path forward, and, and you know, with – with the Waller and Renfro injuries, I mean, th- things have just turned from from bad to worse uh, there in Vegas. So, you know, what what was billed to us as like the greatest division of all time uh, during the offseason? Uh, I kind of fell for short. that. I mean, I had I really didn't think Josh McDaniels would be bad, let alone this bad. And it, he's Same. just like, how did how did he, I, somebody's got to have a what, Wickersham? Somebody's got to have like an inside uh, the Raiders locker room, like the story of. The 2022 season because it's like this something crazy must be going on in there i don't know what but it's it's like it's bad and it's not the kind of thing you see very often whatever it is and you know they just had to that the 2019 season the antonio brown saga like th- this is like getting close to rivaling rivaling that they had the gruden thing of course last year um and it's like in mcdaniel's specific case how do you just like the last time you were a head coach you do that the Tim Tebow saga, and this is your step one, day one out of that. You you you're right to this. How how do you? I, I can't believe it. It's just it doesn't seem possible. It's it's completely hilarious. Uh, yeah, he, he's just completely skated by his entire career by hanging out with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, let's see here. Let let's uh, continue. Uh, we got a road favorite, the Dallas Cowboys going up to Minnesota to face the Vikings. Uh, news came across Wednesday that Justin Jefferson dealing with a toe issue. That's obviously a concern. But yeah. I think even still, you know, I, I was very slow to, to start to give Minnesota respect. But I, I think um, after these last couple of weeks, I think I'm, I'm ready to give it to them in, in, in at least some capacity. Yeah, I'm not. I think... <laughs> I mean, they're not a bad team. There's just there's still something wrong on offense. I feel like, and if Justin Jefferson isn't around to just be superhuman, those other warts can can become much more apparent yet. So, the Vikings defense. This is the part that's, I guess, uh, like the positive surprise to me is like the the Vikings defense has been pretty good this year. I'm pretty sure against the run, they've been one of the best pretty much all year. And you know, you got Zadarius uh, Smith. I forgot to check in on Daniil Hunter. Is he doing anything this year? I know Smith is. Um, but yeah, it's like they got they got some pass rush credibility from those two alone. Uh, Eric Kendricks seems like he's pretty much back. So that's that's a pretty solid front seven. And uh, what the, the, the really surprising thing to me is like the pass defense hasn't been completely, you know, it's not good. It's still, I would assume, below average. But like they're so just slow and not great between uh, – Cam Dantzler, he's he's fine, but it's just like you take him twenty yards downfield and he's not fine anymore. And then Patrick Peterson, it's like you can't you can't really take him away from the sideline without something going wrong. So uh, those two, I don't know how they how they've gotten a passable pass defense result with with that personnel. And uh, I think that's kind of rush. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it has to be. But yeah, I think um, like at once, like that's that's impressive enough, I guess. But also true that it's it's not going to last or at least in they need more help from the offense still 
to make it last. And I, I'm skeptical of that part because Kirk Cousins just looks wrong to me. Yeah, they, they so despite the the sparkling record, their points differential is just plus thirty five. And, and it's got to be pretty pronounced. Like uh, they just they've had a lot of like ugly, ugly stretches. I feel like Kirk Cousins already having. Uh, let's see, he's got like he's got more interceptions than he did last year in sixteen games. You know, and he's completing only sixty four percent of his passes. Uh, which is the lowest since 2014 yards per attempt is 6.7, which is uh, the lowest in any of his, if, if he, if he has that average at the end of this year, it'll be the lowest that he's ever had in a full season. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's 64.1, that's 6.7, especially when you're throwing in the eight interceptions on just 354 attempts. Like that's bad As for the receiver personnel that he had at his disposal. That's bad. Kirk cousins is playing poorly this year. And I don't know how much that's really been noted. It's kind of just like, Look at the record. Hey, Kirk Cousins is, you know, smiling at the end of games. It must be going well with him. It's not. Yeah, he's got the he's got he's wearing the chains on the plane. Got his silly jewelry. Yeah, that was that was epic, John. <laughs> it was, it was quite the visual. Uh, I, it was just so, it was so bizarre that uh, I, I was a little bit into it. Did I'm he not even gonna lie. Can tell if I ha- if I like just imagined or thought about this and started laughing or if it actually happened. But uh, was he doing like the Mac uh, elbow dance thing with those on? Like Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, he does that like elbow dance thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I guess it, I guess what must have happened is like I just thought like it would be funny and typical of him if he did that like unironically though. Like this would be yeah, like, a cool like, thing like, to do while you're wearing a lot of chains. And while also like being completely unaware that that was from something like he like he independently came up with that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't I don't know what the the whole chain thing was about. I didn't really watch it that closely, but um, I think it'll become one of those like notorious memes. Like uh, I don't remember the last time there was one of these, but uh, I don't know. I guess like George Bush mission accomplished kind of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, it's one of the best uh, parallels you, you can draw. Yeah. For for when the Vikings ultimately lose in the postseason, but your, your overall thoughts on this game, do you like the, the Cowboys to go in and get the win? Yeah, I guess I don't want to say like exactly because I don't trust them at all, but if I have to pick, I pick Dallas. Okay. I, I'm on the Vikings, but I'm feeling queasy about it. I, I think that the, that was a good, like little reminder as far as cousins where like the, the win loss results look a lot better than, than the box scores. Certainly. Um, Let's keep rolling here. We got a couple more games to get to. We got Bengals, Steelers, Bengals, four point favorites in this one. Um, I kind of feel like, it, and this one has moved around a decent bit. This was five and a half uh, as of Sunday afternoon. Obviously, the, the Bengals coming off the bye. We remember what happened in week one, of course, uh, with all the sacks, all the turnovers. This one is going to be in Pittsburgh. I, I think the Bengals can win this one, um, and I, I feel pre- well. Obviously, they're they're favored, but I, I think that the Bengals can can cover as well. I don't I don't think the Steelers quite have enough firepower. I know their their defense is a bit healthier um, than it has been for most of the season, but they still have Kenny Pickett, and I just can't do it. Let's see. Uh, I I don't have a good sense of how well like i didn't see tj watt in that game last week but he played 36 snaps 
Uh, he was, of course, a big problem for the Bengals in week one. Um, I got to say, if, if Watt is back, even if he's like 85%, that does kind of stick out to me. And, uh, and is, has Fitzpatrick already been declared out? I noticed he had, like I knew it was an appendix, and I, I don't have a good sense of how long those take to come back from, but he wasn't practicing yesterday. Um, yeah, if, if Fitzpatrick is out, that's uh, that's a lot. That's typically too much for them to overcome. Like they they need him, Watt, Hayward to to be uh, to resemble the defense that we've come to expect, and certainly to play the way they did against the Bengals in Week One. Uh, there's there's definitely a, like having their number kind of element to this to this game, and I, I don't know how much to factor it in. I can't tell where uh, where you go over the line and, and put too much significance on it, but man. They looked the, the Bengals looked like they just had their like souls destroyed in week one. Like it was it was painful to watch almost. Yeah. So uh I I I was shocked by that outcome. I didn't expect them to get throttled in week one at the time. So I d I don't want to just like overcorrect and be like, oh, it's gonna all repeat here. But yeah, I'm rattled. I'm shook by uh, how that one went. Um I guess I'll go with the Bengals for the same reasons you said. It's it's Kenny Pickett and uh it can still. I, I've been saying this, I guess, for about a month now. <laughs> like, it can still get worse with Kenny Pickett. Uh, there's, there's like always the ongoing league adjustment to everything, and sometimes guys start out at their best. Sometimes it only gets worse. Uh, worse. I think Pickett's definitely going to be one of those career case studies. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's fair. The the age advantage that carried him to this point, uh, you know, that's going to start working against him. Uh, he's not. He's just simply not going to get better. Um, and and also, you know, I think it interesting for for spread purposes but uh pittsburgh doesn't have chris boswell oh okay um who did i don't know who the backup is or whatever i think it, yeah, yeah, I believe it's matthew wright uh that, that guy's pretty good i feel like um, he was he was uh, a great uh college fantasy football kicker back in uh you know back in his ucf days um, i guess he's struggling at, a little bit this year um but yeah, anyway, Boswell is pretty reliable, so I guess uh, that, that that could matter here. Yeah, and that that's a, a tough place to kick. Although Kick Fearson hasn't been as great this year, and was kind of the reason they lost at the bot at the end uh, of, of their I, first how game. How long I took to figure that one out? <laughs> that kick that Fearson. was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, pretty good. Um, it is good. <laughs> let's hit these night games what do you say let's go chiefs chargers sunday night chiefs six and a half point favorites over under sitting at 50 i just i've i just am going to continue to bet on the on the chargers to underperform i know it's a it's a basically a touchdown it's at home divisional opponent that they gave a hard time to last time around but i i'm scared of the chiefs i think they're starting to, to hit their stride a little bit and I just think that the Chargers are they're just gonna continue to disappoint. Yeah, uh definitely with you on the, the Chargers bashing. I'll, I'll I'll always be eager to bash uh, Soy Boy and whoever their GM I'm surprised I don't know the guy's name. I, I really don't like what he's doing. Uh hate their drafts, uh, hate most of their free agent moves, etc. So um that the that the Chargers found themselves in this situation where they, they had just nobody good on offense aside from Austin Eckler was uh, at once like the most easily avoided outcome, but also the very predictable one uh, with with how they've how kind of like unseriously they've they've handled their personnel on offense. Um, and Mike Williams is back. If Keenan Allen's back, 
that definitely changes something. I just don't know how much. And uh, I didn't think the Chargers were starting from a point where like those two necessarily gets them over the hump or anything. It's uh, everything with them just comes down to Herbert and whether he can transcend the circumstances. And sometimes he can, but against Mahomes less likely than any other case. So uh, I definitely trend toward the chiefs. I guess it's worth like keeping an eye on a Juju Smith Schuster's concussion situation and all that. And I I don't know where any of that's headed, but uh, the Kadarius Tony breakout is obviously a pretty big uh, slash profound development for, for the chiefs offense. And, uh, I know he had that one game against Dallas last year where he, he had the huge game and he kind of disappeared on us for like a year. So yep. there's there's some precedent for him performing like that and then still disappointing us later. But I don't know. They they really fed him and uh, they really got a lot out of him for the 28 snaps that they gave him. So uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a downfield guy. I feel like Tony's always going to be kind of like an underneath yards after the catch kind of guy. But mm-hmm. in that part of the field... Uh, he clearly he gives them something that they didn't have before that that they can certainly use in that with Mahomes being the quarterback in question, it might be like, you know, a, a higher yield with Tony per snap in this offense than any other. And it, it could be pretty uh, explosive. It could be like an enduring sort of thing. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree, um, you know, anytime that they, or if you're able to unlock Tony's potential, in a way that he, no other team really has been able to, even dating back to college, impressive. And you know, if if you were going to draw up a team that, that could potentially do that, it's probably the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then your your thoughts on uh, Pacheco? Um, I know we kind of touched on it earlier in the show, but you know, as far as this backfield goes, is there any? I mean, beyond like showdown slates, like it, you know, for your season longs, you feel good about starting. Uh, CEH? I mean, I, I, no, that's they a just, dumb They might as well scratch CEH. I mean, I know they've been scratching Jones, but it's like, you're saying uh, Clyde Otis Hilaire can't play passing downs because Jarek McKinnon and his, his blitz pickup is just so important. Uh, it's like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes never threw the ball before Jarek McKinnon got there. And uh, never never before has Patrick Mahomes been in a running, uh, been in an offense where the running backs could produce. Uh, this is just how the scheme must be assembled. Like, this is nonsense. McKinnon can't play. Uh, they're trying to justify it on a vibes basis, and it, it's there's just nothing to it. Uh, so I, I trust none of Andy Reid or Eric Bieniemy's judgments with um, handling personnel, especially at running back. Uh, I think they just have no idea. I mean, think about the premises that they're indulging by taking the ball away completely from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco, who uh, I liked uh, more than he than he was. Um, I liked him to go earlier than the draft slot they took him, but he was like two picks from being Mr. Irrelevant and they have Jarek McKinnon playing on a zero guaranteed dollar contract. So they took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round a few years ago. Not just that, not only did they take him over the other running backs that they did, they went into that season and most of the beginning of the next season trying to make him like a 20 carry running back. And it's like, okay, he's so bad that Pacheco, a near Mr. Irrelevant and a guy that you literally did not give a thousand guaranteed dollars to in the open market are better than the guy that two years ago you said you needed to give 20 carries to every week. Like I'm not saying they were right the first time, but when you reach those conclusions later, you should at least have a moment where you kind of, where it occurs to you like, wow, maybe I shouldn't trust myself with this. Maybe, maybe I need to just reconsider some of the things that I've taken for a given. Cause maybe I was missing something. Maybe I was wrong somewhere. 
Um, I, I think uh, obviously Edward Solaire has been a disappointment, but he's not truly bad. And they're just kind of like, they're making these decisions. I know because they, they think slash hope that it's going to make the offense better in an area they've wanted to get better for years, but it's, it, it, there's no actual sound theory or basis behind it. And it's like the Jaguars run defense is bad. You knew who was ever going to get carries was going to run. So not to take credit from Pacheco, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire has run on better defenses than the Jaguars. It's not like Pacheco did something that Edwards Hilaire got a fair shot at and just failed to do. So I don't know. I think, I think uh, Pacheco is good enough and the, the Chargers run defense sucks. But uh, when the judgment that the chiefs have shown with their backfield management is so, in my opinion, completely indefensible, uh, I don't know what to take for a given. I don't know what I can expect from someone out of that, uh, someone that I consider, you know, just unreliable, uh, which I which I consider them. So uh, I don't want to advise anyone to play Pacheco, but I will say, you know, if he gets the carries, he's going to produce. It's, it's easy mode when you're running the ball in the Pat Mahomes offense, and uh, the Chargers run defense sucks. So should be a good setup for whoever's getting the ball. It's just sometimes they just decide – Let's let's give the ball to Jarek McKinnon. You know, the, it's an empty net. Let's let's try to miss it anyway by giving it to McKinnon here. <laughs> we love a hockey analogy on the pod. You um, gotta have versatile uh, analogies. You gotta you gotta be multidisciplinary to truly capture all the dimensions that that we come across. That's what I'm saying, man. So that that's why we're so good. Um, take on this game uh, side to cover. Yeah, I gotta pick the Chiefs. I guess. I mean, I don't want to bet against Herbert, but Chiefs pass rush too has been getting a little lively. So uh, their their defense might get better even from here. Like they had a lot of new parts, a lot of rookies at corner, uh, new safety. So they they might kind of just get tougher pretty much every week from here. Yeah, and that that's a, definitely a concern uh, for the Chargers. So yeah, I, I'm I'm in on the Chiefs here as well, and then we'll wrap it up here. Niners Cardinals Niners eight point favorites in this one I, I think a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's uh, obviously there's a neutral field and also uh, the the status of one uh, Kyler Murray who um, you know things are still pretty much up in the air as far as he's concerned and uh, Colt McCoy listed on the injury report as well that certainly doesn't doesn't help things he's dealing with a bit of a knee sounds like so I think that, that that kind of informs why why the Niners are so heavily favored in this spot. Uh, did you say you had the the nuclear take for this game? Uh, yes. Something regarding, okay. Uh, did you want to save that yet? Or? You know what? I'll, I'll just lead off with it. Okay. I think the Cardinals can win. Okay. <laughs> um, I was hoping for something a little more inflammatory, but yeah, I guess that's still bold, even if even I mean if they're they're eight point religion. dogs. It's you know uh, it it wouldn't have been as 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 good as uh you know saying Washington like covers this the Philadelphia spread last week that would have been that would have been real cojones but um no I think I think that the Cardinals absolutely have the ability you know I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as limited as he is and can be I I say why not when it comes to Arizona. Well, folks, we had a bit of a technical difficulty there at the end of our Cardinals 49ers breakdown. So that's going to do it for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, again, presented by our friends over at No House Advantage.